0: Gabe Kapler, Barhan Zaidi's buddy, is not returning as the San Francisco Giants manager. Yeah, he gone. He
1: and gone.
0: I'll read a couple tweets from Eno Cyrus, who does a great job um, in that area an, uh, evaluating the team. So he said, evaluating managers is very difficult. Gabe Kapler hire, hired really good coaches, and they got a lot out of their players. It didn't seem like this roster was much better than this. He was diligent in prep and good in the scrum, but the vibe still got bad, and that's on the manager, too. All of the strategies Kaplan and the Giants employed have been done successfully before. Maybe the difference is that they were done with younger, less established rosters before. Doing this stuff with veterans is another level of stress on connection between managers and players. And a quote from Farhan said, quote, we played our worst baseball when it mattered the most. Was this fair? Was this right? Thoughts on the Giants? Because they were the most meh mid-team out there.
2: Mine is just that, I listen, Gabe got more out of this roster than I think anybody could have gotten now, you guys can – because I know Gabe and I like Gabe and I think Gabe is hilarious when you talk to him. Um, but, you know, the one thing about Gabe is, you know, he kind of wore out his welcome in Philly a little bit. And did he – because he does a lot. There's a lot to Gabe. I mean, listen, he's a, he's a great guy and he's one of a kind. But there's a lot to Gabe and what he does and what he brings every day. But you know what he's bringing. True. Like but that. but there's, also a, there's also something to be said for the manager not being the show. Right? Like – T- Taking the field in like a skin tight shirt, you know, with his perfect beard and his sunglasses. And- That's not fair though. It's not. They but listen Kratz, Kratz, back me up. They didn't do anything at the trade deadline either, which was a problem. Yeah. Kratz, back me up here as a player, though. When your manager becomes too much of a thing, players talk and they say, What the fuck, dude? Our manager needs to just let us play. He needs to get out of the way. He doesn't need to be in it's a thing. Now it should it be? Probably not. But Kratz, I think he'll back me up.
1: This is a thing. Why, why should it not be? Like, the game is about the players. It's not about the manager. It's not about how fit and ripped he is. Skip Schumacher could do the exact same thing down in Miami. You never see all the same gimmicks. Now, this is why I think Gabe is going to have a tough time staying at one place for a long time because just his vernacular and his, like, just his aura about him is – to me looks exhausting over 162 days. It seems like has anybody come out and said, you know, oh, man, you know, I just love playing for this guy because you know, are you really playing for him or are you just biding your time until he decides you're in or out of the game? Like how, what, kind, what kind of like, oh, you know, I've built up a rapport with him. Like he's going to let me out there. Like unless they don't have someone else to platoon at your position – You're never going to solidify your spot on his roster based on how the organization, I know it's not just him, but how they deploy their players. And to me, AJ's exactly right. AJ's exactly right in the sense that there is a scent, there is a aspect of it is all about look at me with Gabe. And that's why I feel like it didn't work in Philly. Yes. He had some of the most, Awful September's as a manager because he killed his teams. But, and you kind of saw that with the Giants here. I expected that to happen the year they won 100 and some games, but it didn't. And to me, it's not a sustainable way to approach a roster full of men. It just feels like you're kind of, you kind of have a roster full of like, you know, robots that are out there. And I'm just going to deploy my robots in whatever way I feel like. It, but, but, but he's but not no, the only one that does that. His GM no, but does he, that
2: too. But he, True. But before we get to Al, did you guys see the pitching change he had with Brevia? He's he oh. like trying to point and Brevia's like holding his arm down and he's no. like, no. And then they like almost like got into
1: like, and then it was, Bre- knocks Bre- it was like the weirdest pitching change. But did you I see ever. that? I'm pretty sure it was a joke because I looked more into it and I asked some people Brevia, if you watch it, put the ball in his pocket and he told Gabe to get the ball out of his pocket. Instead of handing it to him,
0: that's <laughs> disrespectful.
1: I mean, that's kind I mean, of that's how like they were saying Bravia is like super, super jokester. So is, that that's the know. story that I got. That's okay. the story that I got. I mean, it's I mean, it was I thought it was
2: funny, but still, like to see a player do that to a manager, I don't care if it's a joke. You just don't see that. Like most managers, like remember the time Trevor Bauer threw the ball over the center when Tito oh, came again. Goodness. Guess where he got sent
0: to? Yeah. He got. Remember, Kepler got into it with someone, what, a year or two ago? Remember? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Followed him down. Yeah. yeah. So, shit's gone down. I just think it's such a mid-roster. So, yeah, let's of talk course. about this. Of course. Let's ask Al. If he would have fired Gabe. Yeah. Al Avila, former Tigers general manager, joining us right now. A lot to get to with Al, including Miggy's awesome farewell, but Al, let's start there. I mean, there were some moves made this weekend. Gabe Kapler let go by the Giants. If you were running the Giants, is that what you would have done, or would you have said, hmm, our roster's not really there yet?
3: Well, to be fair, I, don't, I wasn't following the, the, the Giants all that close this year, but um, obviously after all the years that I have been, uh, in major league baseball, uh, I, I can't say that Gabe was my kind of manager. No. Um, so I, I'm assuming they made the right decision. Uh, you know, the manager position is a very big position. It, it's, it's, you know, I know that there's managers like Jim Leland will play it down because he's so humble that, um, you know, that, uh, he, he, doesn't see himself as, you know, a big reason of why the team would, would win. But the manager do, does have a big a big role to play. And um so yeah, I I, I do believe that they made the right decision in and making the manager change for sure.
1: Why did you feel why did you say that you don't feel like Gabe is one of like your type of managers? Because we kind of were discussing well, I, this as you were coming. I would on. say
3: that every every I was overhearing everything that you guys were talking about. And that's kind of been him through his career. And so you know, we all have personalities and you have to be able to know and get along with it. You know, like perfect example, the Mets, you know, j- just let Buck Schultz-Walter go. Buck Schultz-Walter is, 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 is probably a Hall of Fame manager. Uh, one of the best managers that, that has managed uh, the game. Uh, why would they do that? Well, probably because the personality with David Stearns may not match with Buck Schultz-Walter. And, and so that's the general manager's prerogative. Um, plus, also... Uh, You know, and again, maybe in in San Francisco, you know, there was issues maybe with uh, player communication and the way that he managed uh, managed them. Um, You know, to your point, uh, what happened with, you know, the pitching change and, you know, the pitcher making a joke, putting the ball in his pocket, that just doesn't happen. It shouldn't happen, you know? So that that to me, yeah, that's a little disrespectful. And that's on the manager, really, at the the end of the day.
2: Al, would you say you were, I mean, obviously you you know started a long time ago so i'm assuming you're going to say you're more of an old school guy you're not a i know you believed in analytics and you did some analytical stuff but gabe was heavy heavy analytics with farhan so if you are hiring a manager today what what are you looking for because buck is an well, old school guy he got let go right gabe new school he got let go by a new school organization so it just depend on the gm or the president of baseball ops who you hire and how you can communicate and, and that's
3: it, that's a good point because it really doesn't to have anything to do with, am I an analytical guy or an old school guy? I'm an old school guy. I basically changed the entire Detroit Tiger organization and brought in analytics and brought in analysts more so than you could imagine. Uh, and even on at, at player development, most of the people that we hired were guys with combination baseball analytics. And I'm an old school guy. I, I you know, I, I came to learn analytics late uh, in my career. So, but that really doesn't have anything to do with this decision. This is a more of a, a decision on on how to handle players, how to handle people, and relationships, and communication, and your style of play, your style of managing. That's more uh, of of this reasoning.
1: The situation with Council and Stearns. Obviously, Council's still in the playoffs. Stearns is now the new GM slash head of president, whatever his exact role is. Have you ever seen a situation like this where a guy is currently successful as a manager on a team and yet a team hires somebody that was his original boss is thinking, or maybe we're just putting words in his mouth, but could be poaching that manager away? Well,
3: it certainly could be happening. Uh, Obviously, you know, I, we we don't really know the the the, the whole story uh, and what's mainly what, what's really going on behind closed doors. We don't know that, so we can't make any accusations. We can only assume. Uh, but I I will say that um, it, you know if you're a general manager, you're going to want to work with somebody that you feel. Uh, and to his point, and I saw his uh, his interview because I feel the same way, and I've always said it. The the field manager, you have to work together with them as a team. And, and it's teamwork between the general manager and the field manager. And and those personalities have to, have to mesh, number one. You have to have, um, I, I can't say you should be able to see eye to eye on every little issue because really sometimes that's not healthy either. But you have to have mutual respect for each other. You have to have good communication. You have to be able to trust each other in that sense. So, you know, for a general manager, it's very important to have somebody in that position that, you
1: know, that he can get uh, be comfortable with to some degree. Who has the final say? You hire the guy you want. You guys are having these meetings right now. Today, Alavila is talking to manager X. They're making their playoff roster. Who has the final say? Because you said there has to be a back and forth, but there has to be a leader in, in, in that meeting, too. Yeah, and every
3: team is going to be different. There are teams that the the front office, you know, quote unquote, the general manager is going to have the final say. I know that for a fact, and it's there. And, and there's going to be a few, and probably less today than ever before, where the, the manager will have that final say. Uh, you know, and, and growing up in this in, in, in this business, I've always taught that when you hire somebody, you hire them to make decisions and run and run it. Uh, all you can do is give them as many uh, assets, you know, or good ball players as you can, and as much good information as you can, and make your, your opinion strong. And then the person you put in charge to run that field operation, which is your field manager, he'll have the final say because at the end of the day, you know, it's going to be on him uh, as it should be. So uh, for me, if I'm running it, I'm going to go in there and I'm going to make my case, I'm going to give him all the information. And then we're going to come down to a good, uh, let me put it this way. If he's going to come and, and, and put in a lineup that I know for a fact that me and my front office, there's no way that we're going to accept it. Then I would have to probably say, Hey, that's not going to work. Uh, but at the end of the day, if you hire the right manager and you have the right people and you have the right conversations, I think you're going to have a good agree- an agreement that everybody's going to be happy with. But at the end of the day, you know The manager is the one that's going to be on the field having to deal with all these, the situations that come up, and he should know the
2: best. Al, if you were David Stearns and you just get rid of Buck Showalter and let's say council stays in Milwaukee, who's on your short list of managers? Is it someone that we know? Because they have a kind of a veteran team with guys that are locked in, or do you go – they already tried, you know, the, the young guy, the up-and-comer, didn't go so well. So what's their move if you're a Mets fan? Well there's a lot of
3: good candidates okay I, you know it's hard for me to tell you I mean, actually I would, I would I really wouldn't want to go out there and just give you some, a couple of names but you know to his point to say they're going to do a wide net search which you know I I've, I've been through those and it's a good idea because number 1 there'll be guys out there that you don't know too much about, that you get to know more about. So you get to know more about different organizations, different people, and when you talk to that many different guys and, and ask all these questions, you get a lot of information. So to, to, to a certain degree, you know, that's, that's part of the reasoning of making a wide search, because you're gonna get a lot of information from a lot of different organizations uh, and, and a lot of good-minded uh, guys. Guy, you know, guys with good minds. So that in itself, it's a good process to go through, whether you mean to, you know, to really go through it and find your your, your candidate that way or not. Uh, so I just want to make that statement. But at the end of the day, there's enough guys out there, whether you want a veteran guy or you want a young guy that maybe is not as well tested yet. But being in New York, you better find a guy that has the ability to face the media every single day. To face the face of scrutiny and criticism every single day because that's part of the job. It's a big part of the job. It's up. And so, you know, in that sense, you better get a guy that is very mature. You might not have the most experience, maybe uh, on a day to day on the field, but you better have a guy that not only can handle day to day baseball ops, but you better have a guy that can handle the day to day criticism, the media, and everything else that comes with it. That's the way I look at it. Uh, you know, I like you know. I have guys that uh, I've interviewed that I haven't that I didn't hire, but I thought that would be very good managers. And you know, the Angels have one in Phil Devin. I love Phil. I think he's an excellent uh, judge of character. I think he's an excellent judge of talent, and I and I think he's a good leader. Uh, Mark Kotze, another one. You know, now both guys have jobs, so I'm not I'm not uh, you know uh, lobbying for any of them. But I'm just giving you examples of good baseball guys that have been around the game, played a long time, and know the game and know the players and know how to how to,
2: how to to lead men. So uh, you know, that kind of personality is what I'm looking for. So you're saying the White Sox shouldn't have hired Chris Getz without interviewing GMs. Okay, thank you, Al, for <laughs> agreeing with the world. But now let's get on to more important matters because, listen, the White Sox could have interviewed everybody and found out the philosophies of all 29 other organizations, said they didn't interview anybody, and they're in the same rut. But that's – I digress. Now <laughs> – The Padres. The Padres are probably the biggest disappointment in baseball this year. How much as a GM, if you're A.J. Preller, do you put on Bob Melvin and say, listen, Bob, you didn't lead these guys. Yes, they finished over 500, but everyone was talking about them going to the World Series because of the way they finished beating the Dodgers last year. So as GM, do you go to your manager and say, hey, we got to be better?
3: Well, that's a, that would be hard uh, for – let me just reverse it. It would be hard for a manager to go to his GM and say, hey, I want better players or more players, because they certainly had their pick of the litter there. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, the uh, the manager may not have – and I'm not going to pretend that I know what's going on with the Padre because I don't know. I'm on the outside. But just, you know, watching and reading – you know it gives you the impression that the manager's hands may may be tied uh, and not be able to run it the way he wants to and we just talked about that you know as far as who has the final decision on certain uh on certain situations whether it be the you know the roster the lineup that day um you know or even pitching moves so his hands might be tied to the point where he can't manage to the best of his ability because it might you know the the directions that are coming from the top so Uh, you know, that's probably the situation, but I couldn't tell you a hundred percent. Now in saying that, it also seems like there's a disconnect between manager and general manager, uh, in that, uh, again, the communication and the trust back and forth and, um, and that, and that kind of thing. So, um, you know, there's probably a lot
1: of blame to go around. All right, Al, are you trading Mike Trout if you are the GM of the angels?
3: Well, you can't trade Mike Trout. Number one, he's got a no-trade clause. He's already said he's not going He's not going anywhere. He, he has said that. Uh, he's come across saying he's going to be get, getting ready for spring training next year. Um, oh, you just took me – I said, there he is. So, he, you know, he just said he's going to get ready for spring training next year. He doesn't want to go anywhere. And um, and so I, I, it's going to be – it would be impossible to trade a guy that doesn't want to be traded, number one. Number two, if – if you did have the possibility of trading him, it would be very, very hard. And here's why. He's been injured just about every year. I mean, he's played half his games. He's still, old. I think he's he still has seven years on his contract, at obviously at a high dollar amount. So even if he would be willing to be traded, and that you and you would find a, a buyer, you're gonna find a buyer that's gonna want you to eat a lot of that contract. Uh, I, I would say at least 30%, just based on his injury history you wouldn't want to pay him that full amount. So, um, you know, you, if you're going to get anything in return, you're going to probably eat up a lot of that contract. So those are the caveats that would come with that. But I don't think there's any way they're going to trade him because he's come out saying, I don't want to be traded, and he's got no trade uh, clause. So now I'm saying that, obviously, there's certain incentives that players can get that maybe change their mind. But in this case,
1: I think Todd's pretty well entrenched uh, in Anaheim or, or, the, or out there. But he, he said he wants to have that meeting. He said at the end of the season, he wants to have this meeting. And he comes to you and says he wants out because I know he wants to win. And he comes to you and he says, listen, Al, like, I really want to win. Like, I I want out of here. I don't want to make this public, well, but if yeah, you don't no, give me out of here. I,
3: I get you. But the thing is, he's had those meetings every year for the last, I don't know, 10 years. It's the same meeting. And he didn't even come out and said it himself. I've had these meetings every year, and he's the first one that tries to shoot down every little uh, gossip that is out there. You know, what what I call, um, uh, I I guess, false information that he wants to be traded. He's been shooting that down for years, and this year is no different. And he keeps on saying, You know, that's I never said that. I don't want to go anywhere. I've had these meetings for the last 10, 13 years. It's the same meeting I have every year. Now, in saying that, I am sure that what he is hoping is to convince Artie and who's ever in charge, Perry, uh, obviously, uh, that, hey, we're going to try to continue to win. You know, I'm going to come back. I'm going to get healthy. I'm doing all I can. can. Rendon, you know, he's going to be healthy. Obviously, you know, he can contribute. Um, You know, he's going to want to influence ownership to do the most, the best they can to put together the best team possible going into next year. That's what I think he's going to do, or he's going to, or part of his me.
2: So you want him to say it with his chest, be like, "I want to get the fuck out of here." Basically, is what you're saying. Well, the thing is, you I know, because it might listen. W- I know, the, w-
3: what I could know that what can happen injuries- is what can happen in this conversation is that you know he, he might come in and they might tell him, "Hey, you know what? We're going to rip this apart. This is going to be a horrible team and a hor, you know, for you know for five, for the duration of your contract, this is going to be a bad team." So your best bet is if you want to win to let us trade you. We'll, we'll, we'll send you to the best team possible, the best situation possible. You'll have control if you want to, or you don't want to go, uh, and see what he says that in that case, then you might have a chance, but you know, I, I don't
2: know that that's going to happen. Okay. So let's go to somebody that you did trade for, that you found a way to trade for Miguel Cabrera when you're with the Tigers from the Marlins well, to the Tigers. Right. So, I mean, first ballot Hall of Famer, can you tell any Miguel Cabrera stories that no one knows yet?
3: Well I I, I I don't really think I should tell any stories, no. But, but
2: uh, <laughs> why? It's, it's career's over. It's I mean, baseball stories, I'll yeah, not We're not talking, you know,
3: <laughs> stories like in the clubhouse. I, I thought you were looking like, for I thought you were looking for some bad dirt there. No, 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 oh, no.
1: no, no. Like what's he like behind no, the no, no. Yeah,
0: like what well, you know, you got to deal with him like on a on a personal basis every single day. You know yeah. what was he like? What were some of the quirks like? Did he do anything silly? I don't know. You know, give us the the good stuff about Miggy. That I, I, maybe well, we could. talk tell about. You
3: about Miguel Cabrera. you know he's always been very helpful to me. Okay, obviously when we traded uh, for him uh, with with the Marlins, um, you know we knew him since he was 15 years old, and we knew the family, uh, and we had a great relationship with the family. So even though after Dave and I left to Detroit, okay, and this and this situation came up, we had, you know, you don't make this kind of trade unless you think you're going to sign a guy to a long-term contract. So two things had to happen. You had to have a pretty good feeling that you're going to be able to do it, all right, with the player, number one. And number two, that your owner is going to be on board to spend the money. So number, the first thing that happened was, you know, calling the owner and the owner's like, well, I told you to try to get them and you did, so let's go get them. And, and, and now we'll, we'll, we'll make it work uh, with the dollars. So that was the first thing. The second thing was obviously, you know, over the, the people that you know, over the years, you have a good feeling that, that you're going to be able to sign them and keep them long-term. And so, and, and that was a, a good part of it. Now, once he comes aboard, obviously, you know, he, he's, he's, we had him for the best years of his, of his career. And uh, every day that he went out, there was an amazing day because you, you know, what is he going to do today? So we were very blessed to be able to watch in the city of Detroit, to be able to watch him on a day-to-day basis. And we surrounded him with, with, you know, really good hitters, guys like Maglio Ordonez and, and Victor Martinez and Prince Fielder. And he enjoyed the best times of his life. I can tell you that. Uh, and once we got Jim Leland in there, you know, it made it all even better. So now for me, after, when I took over as a general manager, obviously it was already the last few years of his, of his career. And it was the toughest part of his career because he had suffered and played with a lot of injuries at that point. You know, he's a difficult guy to trade at that point, even though he was still probably tradable when I first took over. But then again, you know, you have an owner that wants to keep a Hall of Famer in the organization, which I completely understand. Now, so so one good thing I can tell you about Miguel is during those tough times, he was very helpful to me and very helpful to all the players that came through the system that we were throwing out there to see, you know, who's going to be sticking around who's not going to be sticking around. And um, he was always very gracious to the the young players, especially the the Latin players, uh, paid for a lot of, you know, the new guys that came in paid for a lot of their clothing, their food, um you know he was very generous uh, with, with with all of them and so i would say he you know he in a bad in a in a in a, in a tough situation with a rebuilding organization he actually you know uh, did everything the right way so that one thing i can tell you i'm very grateful to him uh, and he's a true pro and uh, the respect that he gave me and and really everybody on the organization and including those players that came through uh, and so that, you know, quite frankly, didn't pay out. He was
1: very uh, respectful
3: to all of them and very
1: helpful. Who's going to, who's going to have a better career at the end? Miggy or Mike Trout? Cause they're very similar through their age 31 season.
3: Well, I got to say Miggy, Miggy hasn't missed that much time uh, like Trout has. Uh, Trout is the better athlete. You know, you know, that, 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 that uh, conversation always came about all the way through the years. You know, Mickey's best years. Oh, you know, who's better, Miggy or Trout? Miggy or Trout? And then you know they would talk about war. And of course, everybody figured in Trout's, you know, uh, his defense, which was you know obviously outstanding. You know, Miggy could have probably been a much better defender because he had great hands, a cannon for an arm. He had, you know, he had smooth footwork and all that. But obviously, because of his injuries. It didn't allow him to probably, probably stay. stay uh, you, know, you have a, you have different types of workouts. So he put on a little bit more weight, so that caused him obviously to move from third base to first base, from first base into the Um, You know, it, but Mickey played throughout year in and year out with injuries that I, I know that were very painful. I saw I saw the black and blues, and I saw and some of them were really deep. Um, where, you're, where you're wondering how is he doing it? You know, and so he played through injuries and, and, and just stay on the field um, and, you know, helping the team win. I, I, that's why I give the edge to Miggy. Uh, you know, as, a, as the trout is obviously the better athlete all the way around uh, when you're looking at obviously the position that he played and all that. But when you're looking at a day to day, you know, on the field and, and playing through those injuries, I, I, I got to say Miguel Cabrera is one of the toughest players I've ever uh, come across.
2: All right, so Al, I have to ask this, and they're gonna be like, what are you talking about? But you'll get this. Being from Miami, and then you you went to St. Thomas University, and you played for <laughs> you played for Paul Maneri, who I knew yeah. very well. Who had the better career? Palmonary, Air Force, Notre Dame, won a national championship at LSU, or you, St. Thomas, Marlins, Tigers, GM.
3: Well, I gotta say they're two completely different uh, careers. Because, Would you, you know, switch though? Would you you're, switch with them? Apples and oranges. I, I I will say though, I I give I give it to Paul Maneri because he did win a national championship, uh, went to the World Series twice. Uh, you can't beat that. And on the big stage, you know, he managed LSU. Let me tell you, you can't get any bigger than that. That's that's. I mean, if you're not if you're not uh, managing uh, uh, the World Series at, at Major League Baseball that's the next best place to be. And he did it. And, uh, and I'll tell you what, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't have had my career probably if it wasn't for Paul Manary. He ended up hiring me at St. Thomas and now I did work for free. And he'll tell you that <laughs> for a long time. <laughs> Guys today won't work for free. And, um, uh, but, uh, but I learned there, I learned a lot there. Uh, him and Doc Maneri, his dad, uh, were tremendous people, you know, and it comes all from, you know, his father, Doc, he, just again, love love to help guys out and girls uh, uh, reach their, their potential and, and their dreams. That's what they that's what these guys did, and 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 he learned that from Doc, his dad. And so I got to say that if it wasn't for Paul, I probably wouldn't even have a career in Major League Baseball.
2: So if he would have wouldn't have left for Air Force because he recruited me at Air Force, that's how long I've known Paul Maneri. Would he have tried to recruit me at St. Thomas, and I could have played for Paul Maneri and alavilla
3: that's right you sure you sure could have
0: <laughs> wow the world really missed
3: out
2: okay,
0: st thomas
2: <laughs> hey
0: al great to. Come I, got you gotta be pretty smart to yeah. get
2: into air force uh he was all over me trust me he he tried hard i give him credit if he would have been anywhere but air force i would have gone and played for him he's awesome
0: did you have the grades yeah. for air force
2: come on bro what
0: that's i don't a, know
2: what your did bryce say? that's a clown question <laughs>
0: I want
3: to say hey, you know, you know, it home you home know
2: home? it's funny because when
3: I took over St. Thomas uh we ended up playing uh the University of Miami court a bit uh every year and and, and Ron Fraser was the uh obviously the the, the head coach of, of the University of Miami who was also a good friend of Wayne Higgins and uh and I was good friends of Ron Fraser uh you know obviously if you guys remember back in the day Lasorda was a good friend of Ron Fraser so I got to hang out quite a bit. Lasorda we'll of used to come down before spring training and, and come through Miami and, and, and did fundraisers for me and for Ron. And so we got to know each other really well. Ron was one of the guys that actually recommended me to Wayne Huizinga and then, of course, eventually Dave Dombrowski uh, to be hired with the, with the Marlins back in those days.
2: Wow. Circle. Small circle, man. That's Tiny ball right. world. It's a small baseball world. Yeah, that's awesome. Al. You probably got that in there, Al. Thank you. Yeah.
0: Yeah, AJ's going to be uh, bragging about it all day. Could have gone to Air Force, St. Thomas, wherever I yeah. want, but I was a big leaguer. Al, hey, you hey,
3: you, you could have made – Hey, you could have made – I'll tell you what, uh, you could have gone to almost any college you probably would have – you could have – uh, Take your mind to, so
2: I can't wait to see these Hall of good Fame to that AJ has for me. 1B. I'm just <laughs> saying 1B and I got screwed. 1B, one one B. what happened? Oh. No, hey, awesome. Mike Piazza almost the went to St. Thomas. Mike Piazza turned out better than I did, so.
0: <laughs> <laughs> another conversation.
2: Yeah, that will have a different conversation. Uh,
0: Thanks, all. Al. Good to see you, Al. Enjoy the playoffs. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks, Thanks so a lot, guys. Cheers. Al Avila um, on, yeah, a number of topics there, including the manager carousel. Remember when I had Ken on what Thursday or Friday? And said over uh, under one and a half manager yep. changes. We have already hit that. And I meant I actually did mean, and I kind of switched it just because Ken. I felt like Ken was almost talking me out of it. I did mean like over the next what did I say week? And he was like, I don't know about the next week, but over mm-hmm. you know the off season. Right? Forget that. We're gonna have probably one or two more.
2: You know? The over hit.
0: <sighs> the over definitely.
2: Hit. Who else? Be, who else could possibly be gone? Melvin. Melvin. Nevin. Nevin?
0: We already came up with two right there. You think there's Melvin's gone one or two more? I don't
2: know. That's, I don't know. That's the one that's so.
0: They're they're going to review things. And then Nevin too. The thing about said. Nevin
2: is Nevin's contracts up. Council maybe. There's another one.
0: Right, Council could be gone. There there's still some action here.
2: All right, over under. Three and a half. Uh, so under three and a half. There's not three and a half guys out there.
0: You're saying three and a half, including the two just now. ones. Three and a Total. half more. Three and a half more. No, 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 no. Total. Oh, including the two. Will there be two more? Well, there's three manager changes. Oh, you're talking about Tito. There's
1: three already. Oh, Tito didn't count. Tito's yeah, out Tito doesn't count. Tito doesn't count. So we you know need two
2: more done. to hit over. I think. Two more. I'm hitting it. Two more. Yeah, I think. I think. Two more. Two more. Two more sadly, something. There's always a surprise too. Apparently, Peter
0: Seidler, owner of the Pods, said today they're not making leadership well, changes. All right, I'm taking the under. I'm still taking the under. <laughs> <laughs> Council and one more. will change spots. I feel bad for Phil Nevin. That's the one. I do too. But that's that's you also know what you're signing up for. When you go to the Angels, you know they're gonna be cheap as hell. If you read that Sam Blum article, it was fucking awesome. That was a good article. That was a really good article. And you know that you are going to take the hit for the helicopter owner. That's how it works. He's yeah, going to look ask at people nonstop. That's what he does. He makes rash decisions
1: based on business only. It's it's terrible. But that's Yeah, that's but if what you're, you're if you're up like for. If you're like, I got to push, especially as a first-time manager, if you're like, I got to push all my chips in, who am I pushing all my chips in to be the manager of right now? Last year, starting 2023, beginning of this season, the Mike Trout, Anthony Rendon, and Shohei Otani team, or the Mets right now? Mm. Wait, for this past season or next season? Like just thinking about like if Phil you said you said he's he's going into a tough situation, you don't see that like as a manager you're like I can help this I can help this I'd I'd love to have the two best players in the world on my team, mix yeah, in Anthony
0: Rendon. This, this, yo, this isn't this isn't the NBA. Like it's not. Hey, let's get two or three superstars and totally we're a championship contender clearly.
1: But you're just filling in. That's what you do as a manager. You're, you're not necessarily raising the level of play for your superstars. Your superstars are going to play. You just stay out of their way. You make sure you cater to them. You make sure they don't hurt team morale, which I don't think those guys do. But then you you just you raise the level of bench players.
0: Yeah, but Kratz, the team wasn't good enough. It hasn't been good enough. And it's an organizational issue. I mean, we, we, they they don't spend international. They don't spend correctly on development, right? They treat their minor leaguers like shit probably more than any other team. They go down the line. These are These are reasons why you don't win. And it's funny because the team that lives closest to them does it the opposite way. And it just couldn't stand out more. And the funny thing is, it doesn't cost much to make those changes. That's what's funny too. Like for all the money that you'll pay one superstar to try and sell more tickets like the pitching labs and hitting labs that most teams have now, right? The not allowing minor leaguers to all shack up in one damn bedroom and, you know, eat fast food every day. Like all of these things that they do and read the article cuz it's freaking true and it's what's been going on for 10 years. You played in the org for a second. They it, they've got a rep, dude. And and you could spend a few million bucks and change all of that and and when you won't you're you're a fucking loser. <laughs> that's <laughs> what already is. You're how about all the loser. pitching?
1: How about all the pitching labs and everything? Like if you saw Boston's, I saw them as they were making it when I was working for the Red Sox. It's unbelievable. And the Angels still have a workout tent outside of their spring training <laughs> complex, a tent that's put up in <laughs> in spring training where they have all their weights and everything, and dudes are in there working out. Like it's plenty fine. Like it's nothing. You know, nobody's getting injured. You can get all your work in, but. They still have a workout tent and people have these biomechanical labs that have force plates from your hitter and your pitcher with like 120 cameras in a batting cage. Like it's, it, it is, it is quite funny. That's all I thought of when I was reading that article last night. One more. So
0: they're they're quote, building a new minor or a spring training home. Haven't had any updates on anything on, I don't even know if they've broken ground. It's been talked about for a while. So their spring training home is in the minor league home. They have a minor league spring training facility well, for their separate. major leaguers. No, no, and the minor league spring training facility is in Bumblefuck in some old Giants facility that they like basically torched. And that, and they're not in the same place, which is uncommon. Like the amount of dysfunction there, I—you could write a book, and I'm sure there are books out. There, are there. books.
2: I got one right here, the Shohei book by Jeff.
0: Lutcher. Oh my gosh. Uh, <laughs>